Hey there, welcome back to Freaky Geeky. This is Ash. This is Taylor. And this is Des. And today we are bringing you a super depressing case. Uh, you love that. <laughs> right. This is the case of Jessica Chambers. Uh, it may ring a bell almost immediately when I read my first paragraph to you. I'm sure it will because I know I've heard this name and I know I'll remember the story once you start talking. Yeah, I, I, I hate that. Okay, so we're going to start on Saturday, December 6, 2014. First responders in Cortland, Mississippi received a call that there was a car on fire. When they made it to the location, the, uh, they discovered something that would haunt them for the rest of their lives. 19-year-old Jessica Chambers was in the car when someone had lit it on fire. She managed to exit the burning vehicle and was still standing in the road in only her underwear. She had been badly burnt and would not survive her injuries. Um, she actually wandered up to first responders begging for help. The, they could understand her saying, help me, help me, oh, as she walked up to, to them. And, uh, yeah, the scene is very important with her trial and everything. Um, so two men had discovered the car on fire off a rural road and had called it in just after 8 p.m. They had given her an old army blanket to cover herself with. Uh, uh, first responder asked, uh, "Yeah, well, first, obviously they, they were like, what is your name? She told them Jessica Chambers. And the thing about this is, I didn't write down the population, but I think it's under 2,000 people. So this is a town where everybody knows each other. So when they said Jessica Chambers, the first responders immediately knew who she was. Oh, God. So when they asked, who did this to you? She said something that sounded like Eric or Derek. Eric or Derek. And this is actually going to be really important for later. Because, I mean, for one thing, how like how spectacular is it to, you know, come up on the side of a murder victim where they're actually able to tell you the name of the perpetrator? Mm -hmm. So she had only lived um, six hours after first responders arrived. And she had second and third degree burns on 93% of her body. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Uh, I have it later in my notes, but... Oh, I guess I'll just leave it there. But no, I'm fucking gonna say it. So they eventually, when they are investigating, they found out that someone had actually poured gasoline down her throat to the point that it came out of her nose. Oh God, no, no. And no. then lit her on fire. What the fuck? This person was sadistic as hell. Inside the car. This is... Oh, my God. No. No, thank you. Uh, oh. <clears throat> Blake trigger warning? <laughs> Sorry about it. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Uh, oh, I lied. So, Jessica was from the small town of Cortland, Mississippi. It has a population of about 500. Okay. Dang. So, yeah. I that, That's a small-ass town. Uh, Jessica was an athletic child. She played softball at, um, at 12 until she made it down to the high school cheerleading squad. Uh, which is actually, all of her pictures are her senior portraits that you see floating around, which is probably what's going to end up on the Instagram. Because uh, she was so pretty. I think this case really hit me because, like, I don't know what it is about Jessica, but she just reminds me of someone that I would know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I... Like, I almost want you to pull up the picture so you can look at her. I mean, I can. That's not a problem. Yeah, pull this up. I don't know. I don't know if she reminds me of someone I know or... I mean, this is has nothing to do with... Oh, God, burnt. 
But I mean, people listening at home could also look her up. But like, doesn't oh she my just God. remind you of someone that you would go to high school with? Yes. She also really looks like like Leah Messer from fucking Teen Mom. Maybe that's it. I don't know. She does. She looks like Leah I never Messer. watched Teen Mom yeah, though. She kind of does. But anyway, she's just you know. She looked like that like small town girl, sweet. Like you'd go to high school with her. Like, yeah, yeah. Just looking at her pictures is just chilling. And her poor mother reminds me of actually one of my friend's mothers. But anyway, um, <clears throat> she was born on February 2nd, uh, 1995, to Ben and Lisa Chambers. They divorced since she was three years old, but they had a healthy relationship. And uh, her dad actually moved just down the street. She, like, they were always involved with their children. It wasn't a crazy custody, you know. Right. Everything was chill. Uh, she had five siblings. Uh, the, people say Jessica was described as, or people say Jessica was smart, energetic, well liked. Um, and uh, she had actually been trying to decide between going into nursing, teaching, and writing. Uh, she graduated, or sorry, in 2012, Jessica's brother Alan was killed in a car accident at age 28. So this family, this wasn't even their first tragedy. Oh my god, that's is that the fucking worst? Right, it's bad enough that your your son gets killed, and then this. I mean, that was a freak accident, but this is a cold blooded murder. Um. Yeah. So then Jessica graduated in 2013, and she works in a clothing store, and that's where she's trying to, you know, decide where she wants to go with her life. And uh, but only a year later, uh, her mother is holding her hand in the hospital bed, telling her it was okay to let go. Oh God, that just gave me chills. I don't like that. Oh. Her mother said she felt like she had held on until she knew her family was there. Uh, and she, the day that she was pronounced dead was December 7th, 2014. Meanwhile, police are trying to determine who, who caused this. Uh, Jessica's cell phone was outside the car, uh, along with a scrap of her bra. The, they took the entire car's evidence. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and they actually ended up calling in the FBI and the Missi- Michigan. Okay. Michigan. Mississippi. I didn't even read the right thing. Bureau of Investigations. Uh, the the first sign of the origin of the fire was found on Jessica. The burn patterns show that she had been splattered with the gasoline. Uh, they look into every Eric and Derek in the Panola County area. And they actually, again, I read this up later. I'm jumping the gun. They actually even uh, interviewed a... In, interviewed? Interviewed a Jarek. Jarek. Okay. Yep. That's the name. Uh, Jessica's keys were found by a man named Jerry King, who was pushing his child in a stroller. Uh, he found them in a ditch a quarter of a mile from the crime scene. They had a keychain from her dad's car shop that he owns. Well, they tried to find where where she was that day. Uh, they said Jessica left that morning with a friend named Keisha. Uh, she came home around two, took a nap. Around 425, her phone rings and said, and she tells her mom that she's going to M&M Quick Shop, which is a gas station nearby. And they actually have footage of her in this shop uh, that they bring up later. Bink. So, boo-boo-boo-boo. Uh, and she tells her mom, you know, I'll be back soon, like you do. 
So at 648, uh, Lisa, Jessica's mother, gets a call from Jessica that says uh, that she describes as very odd. Uh, she said that she was too quiet that she told her that she would be home soon. They confirm her whereabouts uh, with a man named Ali Al Alassani, who was working um, that night at the M&M. Uh, his parents own the store, and he willingly shares the surveillance video uh, where she gets gas, makes a call, and drives off. Now, this is where it gets sticky. <clears throat> because, you know, as the small towners we are, we know that racial tensions can get high sometimes in yes. rural areas. And social media gets involved heavily at this point. So every Tom, Dick, and Harry is going, oh, well, clearly he did it because he wasn't white. His family was from Yemen. And they were calling him a terrorist. Oh, my. Great. Yeah. When he's done nothing wrong, been nothing but helpful. So uh, the DA actually had to make a public announcement clearing him as a suspect, saying he's been nothing but helpful because this man, I'm pretty sure, was receiving death threats. Like, he was getting hunted down. Why that, is that so common? It's way too common. Like, as soon as people think, oh, well, he did it, let, let's just, you know, threaten to kill them because that's going to help anything. Well, like, that's also the thing with the Elisa Lamb case when everyone on the internet was like blaming that a death that Mexican death metal singer and he was like got death threats and like everything and he was clearly cleared as a suspect and is still like to this day terrified of things yeah. I finally I watched the documentary finally yeah and like that's the whole thing I was like I bet this guy like I don't know how the story is going to completely unfold yet but it's like that leaves such a mark like mm -hmm. i don't even know what i would do if i was ever accused of something like that well i mean truly and just because you were there to give information because you were at a shift like on a shift at work yeah well that's the only thing he did wrong he was in a place where someone who was murdered was well and like that's the whole thing is like me and ash can even attest to this because we were the witness of a crime oh no, yeah uh <sighs> years years ago seven years ago something like that like, like 2015 i think yeah uh years ago and dude like we you know because we were witnesses we had to like give our like testimony or whatever like give and more than once we went into the station we had a private investigator come to us and that, that's the whole fucking thing about it is like they made us feel like we were somehow at, at fault even though all we did were we were in a park when a hanging fight, out hanging out like doing listening to music and like Lindsay just, sterling and hula hooping yes yeah listening to Lindsay sterling and hula hooping and just happened to witness this fucking these teenagers fighting and somebody got stabbed you know i'm still anxious when i listen to Lindsay sterling oh my god i can't even like it, it comes on my phone sometimes i'm like nope, nope next nope uh because i'm just i'm saying like you get pinpointed and they make you feel like you're crazy just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time Oh, luckily we're white women yeah i mean honestly like truly that is what got us because we would have probably been pegged as involved if we were yeah because all we did were sitting there and the next thing you know these teenagers are beating the shit out of each other and somebody's like <laughs> i stabbed him and I'm, we're like what the fuck like that's a good story to tell when we finally break down and tell our uh our true stories oh, on an episode oh my god god anyway uh yeah so homeboy was cleared everything was fine uh, and the investigators uh, tracked down Keisha. Uh, that's a word that I can't read. Clef? 
sure. Sorry, Keisha. Um, <laughs> she, she says they picked up a young black man named Quentin, drove around town, uh, that she and Jessica just smoked a blunt, dropped him off. Um, uh, Quentin and his mother live across from the M&M convenience store. Uh, unfortunately for Quentin, he has a criminal black background. Jesus oh Christ God. almighty. Criminal background. Mm. Uh which is mainly burglaries, things of that nature. But he was actually let out early, I'm assuming, for good behavior. Uh, so Quentin and Jessica had met two weeks before this. Uh, when investigators go to talk to Quentin, he gives the same story that he was dropped off around 11 a.m. Investigators ask about any Eric's or Derek's that he, they may know. And Quentin says he knows a man named Derek Holmes. And that he's been, quote, pretty strange with Jessica lately. Holmes has a record for exploitation of a minor. And he's a registered sex offended, offended, offender. And has a supposed thing for Jessica. And he would always bug her in the store. Uh, however, Derek Holmes has an alibi that he was at home rubbing his mother's feet. What a fucking alibi. <laughs> Jesus. Well, the kicker is his mom has diabetes, so, you know, she has a foot thing. That's Neuropathy. true. So, and police confirm with his mother and his brothers that he was, in fact, home rubbing his mother's feet like he did every night. Damn. So, yeah, this is where I say they, they continue rounding up Eric's and Derek's and Jarek. Uh, but every single one of them was black. Oh, my. Oh, so, you know, the internet has a field day, mm, and this ends up do. causing a racial rift in the town. Uh, unfortunately, things really haven't gotten any better since 2014, so we know all about how these things are going down in this day and age. Yep. Hopefully one day this ages badly, and it'll be fine, but anyway, <clears throat> all of the Eric's and Derek's and the singular Jarek that were interviewed were all cleared. Uh, oh my god, I saw Jay and I was like, Jarek? Jessica Sell came back uh, with call logs when they investigated and they didn't find a single Eric or Derek number saved as a contact. Uh, I'm so sorry. Well, I would like to admit at this point, this is exactly where I was trying to write notes off of a documentary, which is really good. It was an ID documentary. Um, if you search Jessica Chambers on Discovery Plus, you will find it. These are all my notes. Mostly came from, and I was drinking, so bear with me. <laughs> oh my! All right, so Jessica, yeah, no Eric's or Derek's on her phone. Uh, however, they did find that Quentin and Jessica doo -doo -doo -doo, had been uh, texting for about a week. And the text start, uh, uh, started turning sexual in nature. Oh. He would. Uh, he sent her a message that said, I'm horny. And she responded, oh, lordy. Which, what bitch hasn't done that? I mean, I, you know, when I was single, I used to get messages like that all the time. Be like, okay, like, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, th I think we've all gotten that shit <laughs> where we're just like, okay, good for you, buddy. But what do you what do you expect me to do about that? Like, right, for real. So yeah, that's the kind of picture we're painting for Quentin right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, the same number Jessica called from the M and M 
just happened to belong to Quentin Tellis. And he never told the police that she called him that night. No, of course he didn't. He just thought it didn't matter. Uh, so investigators go didn't back. Didn't matter. She was fucking dead. <laughs> yeah. So investigators go back to Quentin, where he implies that they've had sex before. The kicker here is, he was like, oh, yeah, we had sex in her car. We had to put the seat back so we could have sex. Oh, no. Guess how the fuck her car was found? Shut the fuck up. With the passenger seat leaned back. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. He said they had sex a week earlier, but not that night. <laughs> Why would she leave her seat lean back that long? Because God knows if that was me, I'd be like, no, put that bitch up or as soon as you zip up your pants. Like, right, that's no. what you do. <laughs> There's no reason. Like, did what? Did he just have sex in the car and just like lay back in the passenger seat till she took him home? No. Right, night night. <laughs> so, uh... So, he accidentally shows uh-huh. police a gasoline canister when they're investigating the home. Come on. Uh, because they wanted to see how he got around, which he drove around a dirt bike. So, when he goes to show him the dirt bike, they find the gas canister in his shed. Oh, my God. What an idiot. Uh, he still maintained that he hadn't seen her uh, since earlier that day. And uh, he said he was in a nearby town called Batesville, which is about 10 minutes away buying a money card to send to his girlfriend in Louisiana around 8 p.m. when, you know, her estimated time of death was. Mm -hmm. That's a good look. In it? Mm. Yeah, I'm fucking this bitch, but I got a girlfriend. Yeah, for real! I bet she was just fucking thrilled. Uh, right. Could you imagine? So, um, okay, where was I? So he's in Batesville buying this money card to send to his girlfriend so she can visit, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. This guy is a fucking winner. <clears throat> Truly. Even if he's not a murderer, he's still a douche. Oh my god. Uh <laughs> so then he returns to Cortland and and hears about Jessica, right? Well, does he call her? No. Uh instead, do you would you like to know what he does? He deletes her contact information from his phone. Because she's already dead. He's not getting any, right? That's not suspicious. That's fucked, bro. So, yeah. And when they were like, why'd you delete her number, bud? He goes, well, she wasn't around anymore. (gasps) (laughs) Yeah! You're what? Casual. I'm not getting laid anymore. I'm just gonna delete her number. Yeah, why do I need it? It's fine. So... They go to check out his quote-unquote alibi, and surveillance shows him buying a card around, uh, like a debit card around 826, uh, 15 minutes away from the crime scene. Like, he could have made it in time, but barely. Oh, my God. So, investigators move on. I mean, that's his alibi. So, they look into rumors that Jessica may have been involved with some, quote, unsavory folks, you know, due to the gossip mill. Because Jessica has a preference for black guys. Oh, of course. Oh my god, here we go. And, of course, you know, some of these guys were involved in gang activity. And, of course, she was known to smoke weed. You don't really, you know, there's always that stigma of, you know, you know, drug dealers. You, I mean, luckily nowadays where, you know, people are able to get weed from more savory places, but it's 2014, no weed was legal. Right. Eh. 
So, uh, Travis Sanford uh, was Jessica's most recent boyfriend. He was nine years older than her. Also a black man. Uh, about a month, a month and a half. That's a T. Travis was... Uh, what the fuck am I talking about? Oh, about a month and a month, or about a month to a month and a half earlier, Travis was indicted on burglary charges, so he was in jail, and but they were still in communication. However, Travis was uh, considered a quote jealous guy. Of course, he was. So, of course, the police are like, "Well, maybe he put out a hit on the guy, you know, on Jessica because she was talking to other guys." Oh my god! So. You know, then they're like, oh, my God, is this gang affiliated? Like, how is this going on? Uh, but when they interviewed him, they ruled him out as a suspect. Uh, for six months, her case started to go cold until cell data came back and they were really starting to look at it. So they pulled both Jessica and Quentin's cell data, which showed that Quentin was in Batesville at the same time as Jessica. Uh, so. Somehow Quentin ends up in jail for fraud in Louisiana. Oh my god, okay. In the middle of this investigation. Oh, that's right, okay. I know what's going on now. So, so at some point, he, he skips. And he goes off to Louisiana for, you know, his quote-unquote girlfriend, fiance, whatever the fuck he claimed to have over there. Mm. And ends up in jail for fraud. Uh, so... Of course, you know, they go knocking on his door again, and he says, uh, he didn't, uh, what? Claims he didn't jare until they say your phone did? What? Go. Okay. 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 Sorry, I'm trying to read my notes. It's gonna be fun for all of us. Uh, he says he had, he was nowhere near her until they were like, okay, but your phone records. He was like, okay, well, let me change my story. Oh, of course he did. So, when he caves, he said he was with a man called Big Mike until around 6, or like around 6 p.m. He did go to see Jessica at Taco Bell and he gives her a joint, or he gives her, I'm sorry, $10 and a little bag of weed and he goes back to Cortland to hang out. So, Big Mike drops him off at home until he left to go get the debit card, like the money card. So, and he swore on his mother. He said, I swear on my mama, that's where I am. Fucking bastard. <laughs> Always means you're lying. Right? So anyway, uh, the police just tracked down Big Mike, and Big Mike's like, that's impossible. I was in Nashville at a Tennessee Titans game with my truck. And they track it down, sure the fuck enough, that's exactly where he was. So why the fuck he decided to involve Big Mike is beyond me. Because he wasn't lying for him. Uh, so they go back and they confront Quentin and he's like, okay, okay. I was with Jessica and we went back to my house. We smoked some weed in her car behind the house and she left a little after seven o'clock. So their phones, their phone pings match from 520 to 730. Uh, and when they tell him like, no, you were definitely with her for half an hour later. He just jumps up and loses his shit. Oh my God. Okay. They said that he acted like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm. So four, That's cute. Yeah, isn't it? So 14 months after her death on February 24, 2016, uh, that was the day I wrote it backwards, um, Quentin, tell, uh, Quentin Tellis is indicted for Jessica's murder. 
So unfortunately, due to high tensions, people in town were skeptical that the murder was being pinned down on a black guy with a criminal record and like criminal history. Uh, and the DA was playing, uh, like basically like, oh, well, you just picked out a black guy that was near her. Like, of course, he looked good for it. You're racist, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which does happen. It does. But, you know, when the the DA is, like, really playing it close to the vest here, mm-hmm. not giving out information, so it does look bad to the public. Because you don't want the public knowing personal details of the murder investigation. No. Because it's going to throw it off. It's going to cause problems. So. Um... They found, you know, there were there were no murder weapons. There were no real witnesses. Uh, you know, and the Eric or Derek thing was still a big red flag. That's what mm-hmm. that's what the public knew. Right. They were like, "Well, what the fuck?" So on October 10, twenty seventeen, uh, Telus goes on trial. It said the atmosphere was quote tense and sad. Opening statements are emotional, and they attempted to debunk the Eric or Derek thing off the bat. But defense ripped it, or, or, but the defense ripped it to shreds. Basically, is what happened. Great. They were like, "Oh well," because that's a big thing too. Because I think I go into it more later. But they were like, "Well, she was burnt. She probably didn't know what the fuck she was saying." And they were what? like, "Oh my god." Well, she said her own name. Yeah. So defense has already got one up. So uh, Keisha Myers, that's her last name testifies that about three days prior they had dropped Quentin off uh he and Jessica had hugged goodbye and she said quote Jessica seemed scared or seemed sorry Jessica seemed like she was scared or something and it seemed like he didn't want to let her go evidence supported a a one-sided infatuation Quentin helped for Jessica Mm. yeah uh the defense paints Quentin as a normal guy who just happened to see her that day and brings up the quote dangerous people jessica was involved with mm-hmm. so yeah uh the prosecution uh calls emergency responders to the stand to paint the scene of the horrors of that night and the, en- the entire courtroom was crying because i mean could you fucking imagine well oh my god like that's horrific like i'm just like no and i'm telling you they had at least 10 people talking about this unfortunately they kind of shot themselves in the foot yeah. Uh, so I wrote his. His sworn statement confirms the name. Okay. So, okay. The first responder. Uh, sworn statement confirms the name. Uh, even though the responder says on the stand that he couldn't understand the name. So basically, like one, like one guy is saying, oh, I clearly, like, oh, on the stand, he's telling them, I couldn't understand clearly what she said, but his sworn statement to the police that night said Eric or Derek specifically. So oh my he, God. Oh my, I can't No. Mm-mm. Yeah. So he contradicts his own testimony on the stand. That's weird. Not good. Convenient. Fucking convenient. It's not good. Is what it is. So the true question is how clear the words could be. So several responders heard Eric or Derek and nothing close to Quentin. Prosecution, uh, Defeated their own arguments with the first responders, like I said. Uh, the prosecutors, pr- prosecutors, prosecutors, the prosecutors called Jerry King, who found Jessica's keys to the stand. 
Uh, I don't know why I wrote that down because I didn't write anything else. Well, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, the DNA was found on the keys. There we go. So DNA, DNA kit. God, fuck almighty. DNA tests came back from the keys, finding both male and female DNA on the keys. Uh, there are four males on the keys, and the DNA expert says that Quentin can't be excluded, but they can't confirm that it is his DNA. Okay. So they also say that they can't definitively tell how long the DNA has been on the keys, either. Okay. So, basically, it's kind of rendered moot, because... He, they had already admitted that he'd been in the car before that night. Oh, yeah. It's not like a stranger murder where if their DNA, DNA, their DNA is on the keys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fine. We needed some humor in this dark ass case. Uh, yeah. Anyway, y'all, y'all know what I'm trying to say. You've been listening. So, anywho, uh, they then introduced the phone data. So it shows that around six thirty. Um, I said the phone, so I'm assuming it's Jessica and Quentin's phones. Jessica's phone, we're gonna say Jessica's pings uh, near Eminem near 7:30, and it pings near the murder scene. What? Oh, at 7:30 it pings at the murder scene. So basically, there's a complete hour missing in the phone data. So movements between Quentin and Jessica line up perfectly. Um. Uh, and his house just happens to be in between the two confirmed locations from point A to point oh C. Oh my god, yeah. So there's a three minute window uh, with no activity between 649 and 726 from Quentin's phone. So basically, I mean, truly all it goes down to is Jessica had better service. If Quentin had better service, it might have fucked him oh and saved her life. That's so, a fucking shit. Well, not saved her life, but yeah. So the M&M has surveillance cameras uh, pointed toward their parking lot, which actually uh, you can slightly see the telephone from those cameras. Because, I mean, and we're talking directly across the street is where Quentin Tellus lives from M&M. Essentially. So they see a car pull in around 725, or and leave around 725. And that's when the phones begin to move toward the murder scene. So there was a Stop there. Hmm. Did you hear that tiny meow? No, I didn't hear the tiny meow. I heard my my ankle cracking. I swear to God, I just heard Marie. She's asleep. That was my. That was me. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm leaving that in. Um, enjoy the cat purse to make it better. So, anywho, uh. After 7.25, uh, the phones begin to move toward the murder scene, and 15 minutes later, she's on fire. Mm. So, around 7.50, um, you can see a vehicle pull into the shed shortly, and then it leaves, uh, and that's exactly where the gas is stored. So, the theory is, you know, something happened, he went back for the gas. Why would he go back for the gas? I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm assuming anyway, because Jessica's car was the one that was burnt. So maybe he followed her, went back for the guy. Who the fuck knows? I don't know if they were together. I don't know if he walked back. He's just a fucked up individual, period. Because, yeah, because he only has a dirt bike, so how is he getting to and from? True. Anyway, I I tried to draw a little map, too, of the, of the 
the points, and I don't know how I thought I was going to describe that with just words, but anyway. So basically, the theory is that he went back, set the car and Jessica on fire, and then leaves for the debit card. So essentially that he somehow incapacitated her in the car, panicked, thought he killed her, and then went back to burn the body. Jesus but she Christ. was still alive. Oh my god. Um... Now, mind you, uh, you know, the prosecution's like, just so you know, you, you remember, he erased her phone number almost immediately after she died. Uh, and all the messages as well. He didn't have any history of them on his phone whatsoever. Mm, they can That's still, worse. Mm-hmm. They can still find that shit, though. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they did. Marie, what the fuck are you doing? She's looking like out. Um... Well, I'm sorry, guys. Um, so defense reminds the jury that there are um, very few towers between the location. I'm trying to read sideways and weird shorthand. Ba, ba, ba. I am so sorry. Jessica Chambers is such a serious fucking case and I am destroying it. All right. So prosecution reminds them that all the, co- the communication was destroyed when he heard, quote unquote, heard she was dead. The defense reminds the jury that there are few, very few towers and the location will be very vague and can be inaccurate. And his phone data isn't great. So basically what they're saying is he could have been anywhere and the pings would have looked similar on the cell map. <laughs> Which, I mean, is true. That is very much a reasonable yeah, doubt thing. It is, but just the evidence, man. Uh, yeah, it's not a cute look regardless. All right, so they say that, um, that you know, and the, the best part of it all is the real kicker is the card that they see pulled into the Quentin house. You can't tell what kind of car it is. You can't see the tag. All you see is headlights. Not good. You can't see the driver, nothing. Um, so basically, it comes down to the motive that, you know, maybe... He tried to have sex with her. She rejected him. And he flipped out. And I just, my notebook closed itself. So, oh my God. I am just not okay. So, but yeah, essentially, they think he wanted to have sex with her. She rejected him. Trigger warning. He raped her. Knocked her unconscious somehow. Like, strangled her, whatever. In the middle of all this. And thought he killed her had to go back and finish the job exactly just burn the evidence in the body then i'm still trying to find where i left off oh my notes okay there we go so the oh that's why that was i was like the next note literally said four days based on texts but i think that meant that he's been trying to hit her up for sex for four days prior to the murder Mm uh and of course like i said earlier when they found the car the seat was reclined which is where they he had claimed they had already had sex but why would it still be reclined it's way too convenient yeah for sure and of course there are all the texts where she rebuffed him you know declined yeah and there's the implication of the sexual assault uh so took pros Pro says, prosecution says, Quentin assaulted her, 
and assume that he injured her, possibly killed her, set fire to the car to clean up the mess. Mind you, there was no rape kit performed on Jessica, which really could have been, I mean, the, the be all end all, truly, if they thought about it, if you think about right. it. Uh, but um, yeah, so anyway, uh, they think that Jessica was most likely incapacitated in the Telus driveway. Uh, the last text, this is, you want to be real mad? So the last text that Jessica got from Quentin was around eight and it said, Hey, Bay, I can't see you tonight. My girlfriend's coming up. Sweet dreams. Ew. And there are 15, they were together 15 minutes before the text was sent. Ew. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. For, fucking regardless. If you're a murderer or not, fuck you on principle. Jesus Christ. So. This kid okay. is fucking <sighs> just, oh my God. He's only 20 some. Uh, so, of course, the defense comes back in. They, you know, hammering back in the Eric Derek thing. Uh, and they, like, the woman even says, and I'm, like, I'm not going to say of course it is, but of course it's a black woman defending him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're getting the sympathy. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in that alley. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying anything against it. Think there should be more black female attorneys to tell you the truth but uh she says quote eric is not on trial but he should be uh one day later the jury's verdict comes back when the judge now you gotta be real mad when the judge asks if all 12 jurors agree the foreman says yes but when he stands <laughs> when he goes to hand the verdict to to the clerk one juror shakes his head and says, not all of us agreed. The judge confirms all 12 jurors didn't agree on the verdict. The man replies, I didn't agree that he was innocent. So the judge sends him back to deliberation. Oh my God. 30 minutes later, they return with the not guilty verdict. The judge attempts to confirm with a specific juror to which she replies, well, I voted guilty. God damn. So, I don't... What the... Mm. I don't know what's happening. The judge explains what unanimous means again. And within an hour, they return again, announcing that the jury was hung, resulting in a mistrial. Twice these people came back. Jesus Christ. Because they just... No. Okay. I guess I thought it was a vote like an election. uh, That it didn't have to be unanimous. They just didn't comprehend this. Right. So... Whatever. September 24, 2018, the retrial begins. Uh, it mimics the first trial closely. This time, uh, a man named Dr. Hickerson was called. Uh, he's a world, world-renowned... That looks like it says bum specialist. Mm-hmm. What? Burn! Burn! Bum specialist. <laughs> he's not a bum specialist. He's a burn specialist. I'm a bum specialist. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, where Jessica was taken to be uh, treated. Uh, so basically, he was brought to confirm the validity of the Eric or Derek statement, like how clear her words would have been. Uh, he said her torso was burnt so badly, it was like a leather cast around her body. Oh, that's gross, oh, dude. So, um, yeah, the only unburnt parts of her were the soles of her feet and most of her underwear region. Like, even like part of her, I think it was her right hip was burnt. 
Other than that, everything else was burnt. Um, this restricts how the lungs will expand, uh, heavily impacting breath and therefore speech. So she truly can barely speak. Right. And that noise is something that you're gonna make. I mean, you can't, how well could you even move your lips at that point? I True. Anyway, um, they, when they show autopsy photos, uh, expert wit- an expert witness confirms that uh, marks that appear to be bruises under her breasts and around her torso, potentially confirming the assault. Uh, the trial lasts for five days. Uh, the jury deliberated and came back the next day. And they came back with yet another mistrial. Shut up. Oh, my God. So, and the jury is literally split half and half. Oh, my God. Are we not recording? Hit stop. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We panicked for just a hot second. Oh, boy. The computer fell asleep. Okay. So, yet another fucking mistrial. And it doesn't stop here, folks. No, no. Um, so soon after, soon after Quentin is quote unquote allowed to go to Louisiana, would you like to know why? Oh, here we go. What is it? He's part of an extra, another extradition and another murder case of another woman. So in this case, an apartment manager got a call about a strange smell and he lets himself into the scene of a struggle, especially in the bedroom. He finds the body of a young woman who was repeatedly stabbed in an advanced state of decomposition. Uh, she's identified as 34-year-old Ming-Chan Xiao, Xiao, uh, also known as Mandy. Uh, she was an exchange student from Taiwan, and she had been dead about 10 days before her body was found. Oh, my God. On July 29, 2015, uh, she was stabbed about, like, over 30 times in the chest and upper body. Oh my god. And the only evidence they initially find is a Walmart pharmacy receipt dated 728 and July 28th. I'm a professional. And there's a surveillance video of Mandy leaving uh leaving the Walmart and getting into a black Chevy Impala with a young black youngish black man, sorry. Uh and uh, the prescription was for painkillers, and the video clearly shows her giving the medication to the man. Mm. Uh, financial records show someone is using her debit card in an ATM. Surveillance shows a man uh, shows the man from the car. They run the plates, and guess who the fuck it belongs to? Quentin Goddamn Tellus. Of course it does. So Quentin had come to Monroe recently after Jessica's homicide uh, to be near his fiance. Who happened to live in Mandy's neighborhood. So Mandy wasn't even the girl he was fucking dating. Uh, he had been a suspect in the murder. Uh, but they had only charged him for the unauthorized use of a debit card. Which got him 10 years in prison. Uh, no physical evidence. Lee Quentin leaked, linked Quentin to inside the apartment. Uh, until someone came forward saying he was a friend. Uh, saying he has a friend who admitted that he killed Mandy. Uh, basically, the anonymous friend of Quentin says that he told him one night that Quentin had tortured Mandy for her pin number, and uh, you know, eventually admits that he it came from the horse's mouth, which was enough to indict him. Right. 
but they decide to delay the trial until after Jessica's trial is over. Uh, in June 2019, Telus pleads not guilty to second degree murder uh, for Mandy. Uh, police end up finding tennis shoes that they believe uh, belong to Telus, which were spray painted white with dark stains underneath that they thought was blood. Oh, great. Lovely. Uh, Quentin didn't work, but stayed home and uh, watched her son. But what? What he? Okay, I'm assuming that means the fiance's son. Sorry, but he wasn't doing that. He wasn't hanging out with his cousin, Eric Hill. Oh God, here we fucking go. The loop. The loop. The loop. So his statement to police uh, first implicated Curtis Lemons, just Lemons, uh, who he picked out of a lineup, but refused to sign off on. And when he was shown another lineup, wait, what? Uh, he was shown another lineup, but Quentin declined knowing anyone in the lineup. So uh, Eric Hill told the police that he was told that Mandy was stabbed slash sliced in various places to inflict pain, but not all wounds were meant to kill her, which is something only the killer would know. Right. Uh, Lemons is investigated, but he's cleared. When police told uh, Hill that they know it was he was Quentin's cousin, he changed his story. Uh, he said he wanted to frame Lemons. Uh, Hill said that he and Quentin were telling her, quote-unquote, or which were telling, quote-unquote, war stories what? of their criminal past. Oh, that's just great. When he said he'd stabbed a woman, beating her to death and stealing her information. The, the real kicker here is, though, there are also rumors that perhaps... Quentin used his cousin's name with Jessica. Could tell us, like Quentin tell us, be Eric Hill. Oh, God. Or vice versa. Yeah, that makes it. Yeah. So there's the possibility. Uh, in March 2019, Jessica's then boyfriend, Travis Stanford, 35, was shot to death. Jesus. Yeah, it's not fucking over, folks. It's never fucking over. It's never over. Mm. So, uh, we have blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he was the one that was incarcerated with the alibi, just so you know. Right. Um, reports say the suspect, uh, had been in the home with Sanford and his current girlfriend when shot with a shotgun. There were two young children in the home. Apparently, they've been playing a game of dice when, uh, when Sanford was shot over $700 in the game itself. As of 2019, uh, Quentin is still incarcerated for the debit card charges in Louisiana. I, there's no word uh, whether or when Mississippi will retry him for a third time for Jessica's murder. Uh, I dug for a hot minute and I can't find jack shit beyond 2019 on this case. Uh, but yeah. Uh, there we go. I, I did. I wrote my... Uh, my source here. Most of this came from uh, Jessica Chambers and ID murder mystery. Mm. Uh, yeah. The fucking mistrials is what gets me. Like, what the hell was that jury thinking? They weren't. They don't. They, they clearly. She's right. They weren't. They. The number of <coughs> mistrials is insane. That's, that's absolutely. That's asinine. Well, and the fact that they, I mean, like, how are they going to go for a third trial after all this bullshit? Right. I mean, it, and apparently he hasn't even officially been charged for Mandy's murder, so 
this guy's just slipping through the cracks. Anyway, this is like a, this is truly a super tragic case and I wanted to share it popped into my head the other day and I, I don't know what it is about Jessica specifically, but I really feel for her and her family. And I don't know if it just feels too close to home, even though we're across the, the country, but it just hit me in a way that no, I, like, it's tragic. And honestly, it's just like, it's so sad when you see, especially young victims never get their justice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing too. It's the unsolved cases that truly I mean, it's it's insult to injury, truly. Well, it's like the Lori Zimmerman case with me. Oh, like, yeah. The Lori Zimmerman case just got me. I mean, on the bright side, at least with Jessica, we have a good suspect. And hopefully one day, Quentin Tellis will be behind bars for her murder. But uh, anyway, on a lighter note, uh, I had a fun, fun fact today because I kept talking about the M&M convenience store. My fun fact is about M&M the candy. Okay, I'm ready. So, uh, M&M candy stands for uh mars uh i can't even talk with that okay so it stands for mars and murray so forrest mars senior of mars candy and bruce murray son of hershey's uh uh hershey's president william murray specifically uh the m ms were created in 1941 because they anticipated a chocolate strike during the or i think that meant shortage during the war the the deal gave Murray a 20% stake in the candy until he was bought out by Mars in 1948 uh, when the chocolate rationing ended at the end of the war. Hmm. Interesting. Did, yeah. Never knew that. Uh, I knew Eminem stood for Mars and uh, Murray. I knew that part. But I never knew that. I, I didn't either. I don't think I look, cared to look into it that much. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I learned it in school. Really? Uh, they, they didn't tell me that cooking class oh oddly enough i learned it in cooking class that's fair but yeah so uh hell uh obviously any uh information you know send it to the police and all that because this is still an open investigation technically but uh thanks for letting me depress you this today this i i always want to say this week because podcast but anyway this today um if you enjoyed this story and any of our others, please, pretty please, give us a five-star review on iTunes. You do not understand how much that helps the algorithm. It's very important. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Podcast and send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com with any personal, paranormal, or true crime stories. Uh, bitch at us, praise us, whatever you feel. Uh, yeah, so you're welcome. And as always, stay freaky. Stay freaky, y'all. Stay freaky.